One of the hallmarks of inclusion is the opportunity to get different perspectives in a room and understand how other people see and view the world and to understand how other people may see and view the same thing that you're looking at and how it might be different, how their response or reaction might be different. I experience this on a regular basis. I feel like whenever I'm engaging with my husband, he thinks so differently than I do, but I love that his different point of view challenges my way of thinking and my perspective. Uh, But you don't need to listen to me and Jonathan go back and forth over certain things. Um, But as it relates to inclusive marketing, I thought it would be super fun for you to hear me along with two of my inclusive marketing pals, other inclusive marketers, talking about specific campaigns from around the world and specifically campaigns that there's been some chatter about. So you're going to hear me chatting with um, Joanne Boyce and Matthew Sang. It's a really fun conversation. Hope you enjoy the various perspectives, and I can't wait to hear what you think of it. Um, If you enjoy this format, let me know, and we will definitely do more of them. So after this short break, you're going to hear me, Joanne, and Matthew talk about our different perspectives on some inclusive marketing campaigns or some campaigns that became the chatter of or are worth commenting on from an inclusive marketing perspective. Okay, I've got another podcast recommendation for you. It's Latinx in Power, hosted by Thaisa Fernandez. It's brought to you by the HubSpot Podcast Network, the audio destination for business professionals. This podcast features interviews with top-level executives, entrepreneurs, and innovators from Latin America, aiming to demystify the tech industry by providing listeners with insider perspectives and insight from Latin American leaders who have succeeded in their fields. I like listening to this podcast because I like hearing from a broad diversity of voices and hearing from and learning from their experiences. One episode I'm super excited to dive into is the latest one, Lead Generation Journey with Glenville Dixon Jr. Listen to Latinx Empower wherever you get your podcasts. This is a special treat today. We have three inclusive marketers all in one place and in three different countries across two continents and three time zones. So we, we've got a lot covered here. So I want to just go ahead and take the time to make sure that everybody knows who we are chatting with today. So go ahead, Joanne, introduce yourself, and then we'll come to you, Matthew. Cool. Thank you. I am Joanne Boyce. I'm the founder of Arima & Co., which for the past five, nope, six years, we're an inclusive marketing consultancy. So we help brands understand how to approach their audiences and create content that represents them and connects with them. I'm also the founder of Include AI, which is a platform to detect bias in marketing content. So essentially, some of the things I realized when I was working with clients was they just needed someone to say, that might be racist or sexist, don't post. Um... So I decided to make a robot to do that. (laughs) And we're early fundraising stage. So it's very early in development. Very cool. Um, Just a quick note, Joanne's going to come on the podcast soon to talk more about this because it's a really fascinating topic. So excited there. And we're going to introduce Matthew, but Matthew, you've heard him on the podcast before too. So here we go, Matthew. Hi, everyone. So my name is Matthew, pronouns he, him. I'm the co-founder of And Humanity. We're an integrated uh, marketing agency, marketing communications agency with a 
inclusive lens as well. Uh, we're the only agency in the world that I believe that was co-founded by a uh, certified justice equity first inclusion expert that's uh, also had over a decade of agency experience. And our core purpose is to serve people first brands that want to leave a legacy of belonging for those, uh, all those who interact with them. So happy to be here. Yeah. All right. So more and more inclusive marketing is in the news and people's reactions and opinions to what's happening in the world of inclusive marketing is always being talked about or it's increasingly being talked about. So I thought it would be cool to not only get my reaction (laughs) or my perspective to what's happening, but to see what other people have to say through their lens, through their point of view, and just from the chatter that we've had, our lenses, even though some of our backgrounds may be similar, are very different because of where we live and our perspectives and what makes us different. So we've got a list of different uh, topics that have been in the news, and I'm excited to walk through some of those today and just kind of see how people respond to them. And then, of course, I'm going to be very curious to see what you have to say about these two. All right, so let's go through a list. Julianne, I want to start with you. You mm-hmm. sent over something from the UK about a supermarket that had to pull an ad because people were frustrated that it just showed the people didn't really understand women. Can you talk about, like, set that up for us and let's kind of go through it. So, setting it up. Sainsbury's is probably not your fancy supermarket, but it's fancy-ish, but they sell clothing as well. And somebody tweeted out, as most things get started on Twitter, a shot of a campaign where it was a woman in a dress walking through a park in daylight. Um, but the copy for that campaign on around her said, for strolls in the park just after dark. And then everyone on Twitter was just like, you think women walk in parks in dresses at dark? Like... <laughs> There were so many layers and people's funny response. But what I found interesting was Sainsbury's response. Now, this wasn't just a digital campaign. It was digital print and it was physically in their stores above the dress that was being sold. They pulled all of it. It was interesting that they pulled everything. And in terms of severity, yeah, on the scale of we've seen worse between the three of us. (laughs) Right, right, right. I found it interesting that um, I was looking at some of the comments that people had in response to the campaign and they're like, someone said, ha ha ha, do, do Sainsbury's actually think that women walk in the park after dark by themselves? And there, the article in particular was going through and it was talking a lot about how there, the, the degrees that a lot of women go through um, I'm guessing that this was something that was based in London or maybe uh, I'm not sure if it was regional, London based. England, regional. Yeah. But um, they were just talking about so many safety issues that women have and that the lengths that they go through to not be out by themselves at night. And I just thought it was an interesting thing where for me, a lot of times when brands miss the mark on something related to inclusive marketing, it's because they don't have the cultural intelligence needed. So this was a classic example of, for me, of this brand clearly doesn't understand the lifestyle of women outside of, you know, going to the grocery store. The interesting thing about that one, though, is in England, I feel like they know because we have so much. We have so much press. Um, 
I forget the young woman's name, unfortunately, but last year or the year before, there was a young woman that was unfortunately murdered, I believe, by a police officer. And there were protests and strikes and it was all about safety at night. And people doubled down on it because they were just like, hold on, not only could she not walk home safe, the people who were meant to keep her safe was the person who was end up find, found guilty. Yeah. So Sainsbury's is a big brand. I researched and looked at their marketing team is 400 people. Wow. And I'm just like, so there had to have been one woman. Just. Yeah. Yeah. What are your thoughts, Matthew? Yeah. Even a woman with cultural intelligence or cultural sensitivity, like uh, Sonia was saying, but I find it surprising that not knowing the history or not knowing what happened last year uh, until now in London, but that not a single, you said it was in print, radio, retail, it was, it was everywhere. The amount of investment that went into it, the amount of dollars that went into it, and they didn't think to <laughs> run it by <laughs> more people. And like, I, I'm actually curious as to how this happens, because while it was being explained, all my questions were answered in terms of how big, like one of my first questions was how big was the marketing team? Like maybe it was a tiny team or, you know, it still could have been maybe a sub team or something like that, that was in charge of putting together, you know, a, you know, a, I don't know, like a summer campaign. I don't know when this was, but it's just shocking that they can invest so many dollars in that, but not think to invest some time to put, <laughs> I don't even know if it's just, women like Sonia was saying it was maybe just people with some cultural intelligence or cultural intercultural competence to to be like hmm that's that sounds like really <laughs> really something that is uh not smart at this point in time or or ever it reminds me of you know of my my own um a wife where she refuses rightly so to walk our dog uh we have a daughter and a dog but walk our dog at at night she's like not not walk the dog not happening in our neighborhood too it's not like we live in a bad neighborhood but anything you know once it goes after dark usually around nine ish uh in the summer here not gonna walk her and i totally don't blame her but that you know we live in a generally you know safe area not not high crime rate or anything but not like you know you can say suburbs or anything but you know the fear is so real and so there and Mm -hmm. you know we're uh, we're in a relatively safe area so yeah i I'm just surprised. Like it would, I just don't know how that happens. How do you invest that much money into something without any sort of, yeah. It's the vigilance, which brings us to another one that you sent over, Joanne, because I think the the common thing that we have whenever we get to any brand that recalls ads or recalls campaigns because they're culturally insensitive, culturally inappropriate, something happens, right? People are like, how did this happen? How did it get through so many people before they get out in the public and somebody notices and, you know, outrage happens? So, Joanne, can you talk about B&Q and the the unfortunate books that were on display? That one, I don't know. Just on the Sainsbury's one, the way I can see that happening is a really zealous copywriter that was like, no, this is genius. And then no context with the imagery. I can okay. see the Sainsbury one slipping through a little bit if a copywriter or senior copywriter was like, this has to be it because it rhymes. Yeah. However, the B&Q one. So B&Q, I think you guys have it in America or Canada, actually. It's kind of like the DIY store. I know there's it's where you like can Ikea, go. like Ikea, maybe. Uh, more so the hammers and wood and paint oh, okay. rather than the flat okay. pack. 
Okay. So they have a lot of Ikea style photos where they stage an environment. And in one of their photos, again, we love the internet and social media. Someone zoomed in and realized that in their stage photo, they had a book that was in really big, bold writing and it said white supremacy on it. There were two books, two. What? I missed the other one. The there were two books that said the yeah. same thing. Yeah. <laughs> it was the same book, but just two of them, right? <laughs> I just got stuck with it. I was just like, how? Because there's so many elements of that where first you have to source the content to put in the shop. Someone has to put it down. Then someone has to take the photos. Another person has to edit the photos. Then it's going to get approved several times run past the people in the product department because they need to say, oh, my product looks good in this shop. Yeah. And then print because they do have in-store magazines. The more I list out the people that would have seen this. That's and no lot. one was like, ooh, white supremacy. And do we? I'm, I'm curious if it's a real book or if it, both are issues or maybe, maybe not. But if it's a real book, if it's about eradicating white supremacy, like, I don't know. You can, can't see the title. Uh, regardless, uh, regardless, regardless, it's not not the ideal thing for a photo. But if it's actually, you know, um, a photoshopped in there because it's not a real book, then you have someone that is within the team doing some shady things, right? So yeah. that's that's what I'm wondering. Yeah. So I was looking. These things fascinate me. So I was looking because the the company issued an apology. Um, three-part apology. I wasn't so impressed. They're like, we're sorry for anyone this may have, may have offended. offended. Oh, I'm like, that is not the apology <laughs> to use. An apology to anyone this may have offended. No, they got better in sec- the second and third part of the tweets, but they were like, a third-party vendor, they blamed it on the third-party vendor, mm-hmm. right? The third-party pl- vendor did something and we no longer have a relationship with this vendor and so now we are working on making sure that we've got systems and checks and balances and processes in place to ensure something like this never happens again or slips through the cracks. So um, there are so many different areas to cover with this one. But again, it's, it's, it's very much related to systems and how you respond to a mistake. Because the point isn't that, like, don't ever make a mistake. Part of it is how do you respond to it? And the first part of that apology could turn a lot of people off to where they might not even get to the other parts of it. It's standard in the apologies now. It's the sorry if, sorry if I hurt you or sorry, maybe, oh, my bad. I didn't quite see that. It's like, um, none of those are apologies. (laughs) It's funny because, you know, as AI chat GBT kind of spits out (laughs) what is put into it. So if people are searching these apologies, I, I bet something, some of these are AI generated because um, they sound great, but they use a lot of that, if I may have offended, et cetera, because a lot of people say that <laughs> or have yes. said that in the past. Yes. Speaking of AI, and I'm going to put links to all of these things in the show notes so you can see for yourselves and, and read up about them. So With the movie Barbie this year, which, you know, has just been blockbuster, there was Barbie marketing everywhere. I believe it was BuzzFeed put out an article. And in this article, they used AI to generate images of what Barbie would look like from countries all over the world. And as you might imagine, because we're talking about this, uh, BuzzFeed pulled the article because it got a bunch of backlash. 
because there was so much, so many inaccuracies and basically they just violated a bunch of cultural intelligence rules because they're using AI to do it, right? Um, Well, you can have violate cultural intelligence without AI, but AI kind of helps perpetuate some things, right? So one of the things I believe there was like a Nigeria Barbie and a Russian Barbie that both had guns, right? Like, um, I'm seeing your face, Matthew, as you're looking at it, right? Like there were, there were just so stereotypical and so awful. I think the Cuban one had three arms. All the Asian Barbies had blonde hair. Yeah. Like it was just like, what? So one, cultural intelligence is a theme here, right? But two, the dangers of AI and just kind of what are you using AI for? What are the inputs that influence the output? And so I'm curious to hear what you all have to say about this and AI and, you know, cultural intelligence. So some context on my bias. I have a master's in data science and I do a lot of work in AI and it should have, we, the people who work in AI knew that it was shit before they let it into the world. But my general census is the data that they feed into these machines is kind of like taking sand to a beach and whatever you take into the beach gets mixed in. And okay. if a lot of shit, sorry, I keep saying shit. Can I say shit? <laughs> You're at the end of your day. We understand. <laughs> it's been a long day. It's been a long day. Um, yeah. If you bring crap to the beach, it will get mixed into the sand. You can't put it out. So all the media, all the press we've had about stereotypes about different cultures have get, gotten fed into all of this AI. And because people are having this blind faith trust into it, it's like, oh, it's going to generate what person looks like without doing any primary research. It goes back to the basics of marketing and journalism. They're just trusting that it's going to produce something amazing. It's like, no, it's going to amplify. I think there was one study that came out recently that said it amplifies this, some of the biases at a percentage that's like 5x to what it actually is in the population. Oh my goodness. So there was a study, I'll send the link for this one. There's a study that it went through and asked it to generate images around different job roles. And there are some job roles in society that we know stereotypically, stereotypically are only represented by a certain race or gender, and then in media and so forth. So there's some assumptions you would make like, okay, it's just going to reflect it, but it reflected it higher than it w- the proportions was and faster. So BuzzFeed was lazy, but has BuzzFeed ever done good journalism? <laughs> I wouldn't call it journalism. <laughs> yeah, mm-hmm. there's there's a lot. I, I appreciate that context. But yeah, I think AI is going to make people lazier um, mm-hmm. because you're just going to think that it's going to help them produce. But like you said, there's a lot of bias associated with it. So cultural intelligence becomes all the more important if you're going to be using AI to make sure that it's not generating things that it should not be um, or that it's not amplifying biases that aren't good ones to have. Right. So. And, you know, I think I think on the flip side, like I'm a personal fan of AI and and technology and in general, I think it's just how we use it. Right. Like I think that the assumption and, you know, across just marketing generally right now, AI is being utilized, tested, etc., and I think it's exciting for a lot of people for for the right reasons. Um, but as inclusive marketers, obviously, we see the cracks and see where the issues lie. But how I see it is that it's more of a tool to kind of augment 
creativity, decision making, uh, but it's not to replace, um, which is what a lot of people are afraid of. Like, if anything more than ever, human oversight, critical thinking, ethical judgment, intercultural sensitivity are even more important now. Because the things that I believe AI should be replacing, and a lot of people think this too, are are things that are kind of more, you can say, menial tests or things that uh, maybe don't require, I, I mean, it isn't going to take someone, you know, hours to do when, uh, you know, uh, AI can do it in like a minute or less, right? So I, I think it's just about how we use this. And I've had a lot of conversations about people about it, but I think it's going more towards like, like, for example, in the content creation world, more towards content curation rather than content creation, because you'll still need that oversight, that critical thinking, yeah. et cetera, like that. And if you put all the, you know, if you think about it as a job, someone as a content curator sounds like, oh, you're not actually doing tactile work. But without that human oversight and critical thinking, like this is sort of things that happen. That's why I think it's become even more important and how one person looking for a job, for example, should differentiate themselves. But another thing that I think a lot of people don't talk about AI is how, you know, there, there's this concept of, you know, quote unquote, to use an idiom, talking your way to the top or, you know, people with silver tongues that, you know, maybe aren't fit for roles. And how they do this is that they're really good at communicating. And it's, I always find it so funny that communications is so important in landing almost all roles when sometimes it's not even a part of the job, right? You think about cover letters, interviews, uh, et cetera. You're always communicating to get that role. So I think what's great about this, and I've talked to a lot of people that have used um, ChatGPT, um, et cetera, for, like, uh, for cover letters and, and the resume and things like that. I, I, I like that it's leveling that playing field for, for people who don't, maybe English is their second language or it's not something they're, they're strong with, um, but can do the role really well. Uh, right? Because we some, for some reason, put such a huge emphasis on communications in the role, even when it may not require it. Um, And that's our biases in place, etc. So I I think there's so much that can be done that is good with AI if we learn to, you know, treat it as a tool and not as a replacement Mm -hmm. uh, for for us as human. We're we're the only species that can have abstract thought, I believe. Um, So I'm not a scientist, but but I believe we're the only ones that can have abstract thought. So yeah, I just think there's so much potential, but the backlash is, 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 yeah. Yeah. And you touched on an interesting point around communication as well, because everyone's excitement about AI taking people's jobs, it's far from it because you still, all the people's jobs is threatening. It requires the people who don't do their jobs being able to describe the task and the requirement clearly. Yeah. And we've all worked with clients that say they want one thing <laughs> and they describe <laughs> it a certain way and you deliver what that is. And they're like, oh no, that's what, but that's exactly what you said. <laughs> and I think for some areas, it makes people realize, I hope when they do interact with it directly, the skill it is in, you know, hiring a designer, hiring a copywriter, because yes. they will spend hours. I've seen sat and watch people in workshops try to get out of AI what they would a marketer would produce for them. And they're continuously, and I'm like, oh, well, tone of voice is important. Like, oh yeah, I have to tell it that and I have to tell it this. And yeah. It's a lot of work. It's a lot of work. Eight hours later. <laughs> yeah. Finding a service solution that helps you better connect with customers and keep them happy can feel impossible. Like trying to remember the name of that guy you just met at a networking event. Was it Ron 
Or could it be Don or John or Sean? Yeah, that kind of impossible. HubSpot's all-new service hub can help. Well, with the service solution part, at least. It brings service and success together on one powerful platform for the first time ever. With an AI-powered help desk and an AI chatbot that handles frontline tickets fast. Plus, it comes with a customer success workspace that helps reps anticipate customer needs in a full 360 view of every customer so your go-to-market team can keep a pulse on accounts before trying to upsell or cross-sell. Also, you can scale support and drive retention and revenue. And you know what that means. Better service and happier customers at every stage of the journey. Visit HubSpot.com service to do more for your customers today. All right. So we were just talking about Barbie. I want to continue along with the Barbie theme for this next one. So Barbie in the U.S. was released on the same date as the movie Oppenheimer was. And I don't know exactly who did it, but as people like to put names together, someone said Barbenheimer. And so if you look, you'll see there's a number of articles, you'll see a number of tweets that mention Barbenheimer. And Barbie, actually, the, the official Twitter or the official X account of Barbie liked a tweet that said Barbenheimer. And the actual country of Japan were like, no, we're not having this. This is completely insensitive. And they reached out to Warner Brothers, I believe, and was like, you need to apologize for engaging with this tweet. So I'm curious, what are your thoughts on Barbenheimer and people just kind of running with something that seems to be cool? And necessarily without necessarily thinking of the impact that it has on other people, because, you know, there's a real impact on people with Oppenheimer and the content of this movie. Mm-hmm. I, with the, I didn't go to see it. I saw Barbie and not Oppenheimer. I'm still feeding into capitalism. So either way, but <laughs> I had no interest. I think for me personally, I got fed up of making content or there being content about people who caused a ton of harm. Or just even, and however you want to paint it, I'm like, I'm done. I'm good. And I feel someone was trying to sell the Oppenheimer movie to me. And I'm like, you still know what that did, right? It's like, nobody was was like, okay, no, (laughs) I can't see the spin. But yeah, so I kind of checked out. I did see a lot of the content and the spin. I don't think it was for what the Barbie movie is about. I don't think it was smart for them to I would have distanced myself if I was in charge of that marketing because they had enough on their own. They did not need mm-hmm. Oppenheimer to get the word of Barbie out there. But hey-ho. I also didn't watch Oppenheimer uh, for the same reasons. Um, uh, the story in itself, I did look up uh, the story in itself, kind of the synopsis and, you know, just same white savior, <laughs> glorified, uh, uh, and what do you call it? Like the whole, the whole trope with the hero slash villain white man. Yeah, I was like, no, I have no interest in this either. Uh, and I don't have many days <laughs> to do date nights anymore anyways with with uh, my three-year-old. So I'm like, no, I'm not spending that on, on Oppenheimer. But I did watch uh, Barbie as well. But so ditto to a lot of things you said, Joy. And I think, you know, with the whole Tokyo uh, tweet or X post, oh, I don't know what it's called now. But, uh, <laughs> disgusting. Um, but um, with uh, that, uh, I hadn't heard about it uh, until later on. 
as well. But it makes a lot of sense, you know, like, you know, and humanity has a principle or motto, nothing about us without us. And can't be more nothing about us without us than 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 the official uh what you say uh Japan Japan account um saying, you know, this is not this is insensitive and it makes you know a lot of sense. And you know, I have regret too because I I mentioned uh Barbie and Harry. I don't think publicly, but uh, talking to you know friends, it's like oh Barbie uh Barbie and Harry and you know, it's so easy to think about that as, you know, a marketing person. It's like, what a genius marketing uh, thing where they elevate each other. But uh, the fact that the account mentioned that uh, it's a perfect example of uh, why you need representation behind everything, right? You need diversity and representation because without following nothing about us, without us, um, things like this slip through the cracks and you forget about it even with you know people that focus on the work you'll 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 miss it because there's so much history and so much that's gone either unacknowledged or or uneducated on um and yeah this is something that obviously when you think about it and you had maybe someone in the room that is japanese uh, would have would have probably already mentioned that but yeah i just uh just acknowledging that yeah yeah for me it it really underscores what I call like a guiding principle of inclusive marketing, which is empathy, right? Mm-hmm. Like if we just pause before we get caught up in what's happening online and social media, et cetera, and think about and put ourselves in the shoes of other people and think about how would we feel if we were on the other side of like, you know, I think that just will help us decide whether or not we should be jumping on a bandwagon or not, or if something which seems cool, if it actually is or not, right? Mm-hmm. So um, empathy is always going to lead you in the right direction that you should go. I was just going to say, even on the other aspect, Barbie did not need them for the marketing. Their budget was right. ridiculous. Yeah. Like it got to the point and I loved it. And this is, it kind of Made me still not have not seen Barbie. I haven't seen either movie, right? So yeah, I'm way behind. <laughs> but it got like people were just posting pink and said, "Oh, Barbie's marketing." Like to get to that point of saturation with your content and just your campaigns. Yeah, I really wanted to like applaud the team <laughs> to to do it and to do it. I think it was a nice mesh of a brand that's established and being able to do what you want in terms of the marketing and just go all out. Yeah. Like one of my biggest dreams or whatever would be to do a no bars hold like Coca-Cola campaign and just do whatever. Because it's such an established brand that you yeah. it feels like you can almost push all the boundaries out the way and just run an amazing campaign. And I really think they did that with Barbie. Yeah. And yeah, I heard about the Barbie marketing budget. Um, and you know, what? I think people are calling it, you know, extravagant, ridiculous and et cetera, uh, things like that. And I, I agree. Um, but I also wanted to not be so rare <laughs> because I feel like, you know, it really works. So I feel like marketers aren't often given, there was a lot of talk about being given the flexibility, the freedom to do what we do best. And, and we're not often given that um, because, you know, it's one of the industries where people think they know how to do it, even though they don't have experience in it. Yeah. Uh, and uh, yeah, so I, I really wish this becomes more commonplace in the sense that uh, movie marketing budgets and, you know, other marketing budgets, like you can see the ROI that, that comes up from it if there's an actual focus on on the budget, the investment, and also the people behind it being trusted to, to promote yeah. it well. Yeah. All right. I want to switch gears a little bit and I want to take a very positive tone because <laughs> um, I feel like sometimes these reviews can go 
where it's like, oh, we're only talking about things that people have done wrong. There was a McDonald's, well, actually two McDonald's commercials that showed a cool way that brands can take one idea and use it to speak to a broad group of people. Joanne, can you set this up for us? So I first saw the, I don't even know if I would call it the British, maybe the European version of it, where it's a woman's in the office, no words are spoken. Uh, They're walking through the office and they're kind of making the McDonald's eyebrow M's with their eyebrows to signal to everyone it's McDonald's time. Even if I say McDonald's M's, everyone can imagine it. Again, I love, (laughs) I don't care about the corporation, but the fact that everyone can picture the McDonald's M is beautiful marketing. So going through the office and kind of doing all these things and getting everyone in the office excited about having McDonald's. No one ever says the word. And I saw this commercial a couple months ago and then I saw um, the marketing meetup post the, I think it was the South Asian version or either a version that was um, different. Middle Eastern, like the Middle Eastern version. Yeah. The Middle Eastern version where they kept the colors and the imagery and the vibe the same, but they put it into a context where instead of a woman in Western um, office clothing, it was a woman with a headdress still on brand, still the McDonald's colors. And still the exciting and some of the role reversals. I don't know if you noticed that when you guys watched it. In the Western version, it had a white woman like talking to an office and being the boss, which was good role reversal in terms of normally it's a man here. But in the other version, they had a man doing it, but it was a man of a darker skin tone. And I was just like, okay, mm-hmm. you're mixing in the different elements, still making it inclusive and still making it culturally relevant for where that campaign's running. And I just... Yeah. I just loved it because you can squint and it would look like the same commercial, but looking at it and feeling the vibe, it was very relevant for the regions. I have a little bit of a different take on it. Not that it's negative. Okay, so McDonald's is ubiquitous, right? In terms of its brand with the, you know, eyebrows and it's neat. And, you know, they've done commercials like this before where, you know, a stranger... I mean, a tourist uh, visiting a foreign country will kind of like, you know, do this burger sign and then people will understand it's McDonald's. I, I forgot. I think it was made by cassette. But, you know, this tourist was going around town and he was like speaking in English. People and everyone's like, I don't understand. And then once he said McDonald's and did the burger sign, they're like, oh, McDonald's. And they would all be able to point him. So because McDonald's is a ubiquitous brand, they have the ability to do these types of commercials. Right. And here's the here's where I think maybe a problem lies in or something that makes this type of, it's obviously inaccessible for all types of brands. But I think one thing that we say is that if you're able to create a commercial and you're able to replace the people in it without changing the context of the story, I don't feel it goes deep enough, right? Mm -hmm. But this could be, because if you have, you know, white people in it and then you have uh, Middle Eastern people, but the story stays the same, then where's the cultural nuance? Now, yeah. I have only seen it once quickly before this podcast. So I don't know if there was more nuance in that beyond what, because Joanne did mention um, some uh, things, but it looked very similar. But I'm also battling with the fact that that's what McDonald's is trying to prove. The point is that, you know, we are accessible or everybody yeah. knows who we are. But at the same time, in terms of pushing inclusion forward, they're kind of at that minimization stage in terms of, or that the communication is at the minimization stage when it comes to the IDI scale or the DMIS scale, right? You're, you're, you're talking how about how we're more similar 
than about rather than embracing our differences. And it's okay to talk about how we're similar. That's something that we recommend sometimes. But I'm passionate about uh, commercials or, or content where they're like really talking about deep cultural nuances where they can't just replace the people in it um, mm-hmm. with different you know ethnicities and then the like the content being the same. So again, there might be nuances in it uh, in the Middle Eastern version or in the Western version that I haven't seen, but that's that's kind of one of the things where it's like, oh, this is kind of on uh, the minimization part of the scale. There was only one nuance that I noticed and I was just like, I wonder if that was intentional. In the Western version, there was a white janitor at the end. And in the Middle Eastern version, there was a person of color, but they weren't a janitor. It was like, it's a different job altogether. And I'm just like, did uh, they do that? If it, it felt- counters, Countering stereotypes. Yeah. But no, that makes sense. I remember smiling as I was going through it because for me, I don't think I have, ever, I know this was specific for the Middle Eastern market. I don't think that I have ever seen in one commercial that degree of representation of Muslim women or people who wear hijabs in more traditional dress from the Middle East. I don't think I've ever seen that in a commercial, right? Or at least here in the US, I don't think I've ever seen that. So I remember thinking about it smiling because I think sometimes whenever you see certain groups, you see them always in one light. Um, You see them always doing things like it's around Ramadan and they're praying, or it's, it's very specific how you're seeing certain groups of people that are underrepresented. And it's very stereotypical, right? So this one, for me, not only I was excited about it because of the representation front, but I was also excited because, oh yeah, like they're just like me. Like, yes, these women are in a hijab, but they're in their office and they are hungry too. And they eat like, you know, it, it just kind of reminded me. Um, and it was one of those things where I, I, I love how marketers have the power to change narratives mm-hmm. and change stereotypes and to get people to see other people in a different, more positive, more true way of how they go about their everyday life. But I totally get what you're saying, Matthew, of like, did it lack cultural intelligence because we're just swapping people out? Mm-hmm. But like you said, was that the point or was that, you know, could they have gone deeper? Um, so it, it really, I like to think sometimes of inclusive marketing as like, there's good, better, and best, right? Like there, because I don't want sometimes people to always think that they have to be at the best practice. Sometimes good is okay, right? Like, or good enough. And I think about that a lot in the context of like translations. My husband speaks Spanish. So whenever we're watching something, Generally, we're watching it in English with the Spanish subtitles. And John, from his perspective, Spanish subtitles are perfectly fine, right? Like, it's good enough. It works for him. But there are other people who are like, no, I want to hear the audio, right? Or no, I want not to look at all of your content. I want my own content, right? Like, there's good, better, and best. So I think there's maybe a spectrum here that people might need to think about from their inclusive marketing standpoint, having cultural intelligence is always the thing to do 
But I'm wondering for people who might find themselves McDonald's, I don't think is on this level where they have a limited budget, but like when people might find themselves a little resource constrained, what are the different levels that you might think about doing that to make sure that you're including all the people that you want to include in a way that's going to work for you? In terms of budget constraints, what are your thoughts? Because some of the advice I do say to clients is, I rather you do nothing. Um, I rather you do nothing than it feel tokenistic. Because I've had clients call me up in our Black History Month is October here. And they'd be like, oh yeah, we need to post something. And I'm just like, have you ever considered this any other time of the year? They say, no, I'm like, don't post anything. (laughs) (laughs) So I would put nothing as an option on that scale. But that might be me looking at it from a British perspective of we, we just want genuine or we know everything is insincere after that. Okay. I, I agree with that. Right. So nothing is definitely a viable option, especially if it's nothing or doing something that feels very performative or you're doing it because you feel like you have to versus actually feeling like you want to or actually care about the community right mm-hmm. so yeah totally agree we should add nothing to that list <laughs> <laughs> and i think it's a like joy said, i think that's a safe assumption if they're calling you like a month before black history month the oh, first time the have they ever talked to it and the even day before, right? <laughs> yeah day before day before and i wonder too if there's any like you know there are some you know give benefit of the doubt there are some brands where they've done a lot of work internally and they just don't know how to approach it externally or something like that and that's a little bit more okay in, in terms of my my point of view like you know sometimes that happens but it is totally a fair assumption that more often than not it's just you know very performative uh for them to be only speaking about it and underrepresenting me on a specific day or month of significance i i wanted to one thing i re- just thought of while we were talking about this too is is mcdonald's halal in 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 Muslim. it is yeah, like, it is I don't even it is because me and my friends okay me and my yeah. friends um sorry <laughs> i got excited about this me and my friends um went on a girl's trip years ago to morocco and when we were in casablanca is that right like we were we we remember we our hotel was um right in front of a mcdonald's and we were hungry and we walked over to mcdonald's and the meat was halal oh, oh that's great well yeah like are the McDonald's not halal in Canada and America? No. <laughs> the meat is different. The meat, like if you go to a McDonald's in Argentina, it's not the same meat. I feel like all those McDonald's are halal in the UK. Yeah. That might <laughs> oh, wow. be based upon the population, right? So, yeah. yeah. And it's, sorry. Yeah. So, yeah, definitely. <laughs> I was just like really surprised. Maybe. <laughs> maybe. Maybe. Well, that's the, the thing too. I would have loved to see. Again, maybe I, I agree with Sonia too. Progress over perfection. You know, you can't always be perfect, but I would have loved to see some mention of that or like something uh, where it's like that commercial is different okay. and, and McDonald's is different to them there or, or something. Yeah, it's just, I don't like when it kind of dilutes everything and it says we're all the same because yeah. it's not. Yeah. We're not, right? Yeah. And it is okay that we're not all the same. So I want... I would have wanted some sort of different, but again, that is kind of McDonald's point in all this. It's like, look how ubiquitous you yeah. are. Doesn't matter your background, but I, I don't like that message, but I think that was the point they're trying to make too. Yeah. yeah. Correction. It's KFC in the UK that has a halal search. Like majority of their uh, restaurants are halal and McDonald's does not. Cause I was just like, I feel like, 
Uh, I don't even, we just have it. We're just used to it here. <laughs> yeah, yeah. That's the benefit of um, having a diverse population where you, the options are different and the way brands show up are different based upon where they are and the expectations and the cultural norms of the people in the area. So, yeah. All right. I think we're going to call it because we've covered a lot today. And there's more on the list, but I just think that means we need to schedule another reaction show because there's plenty more to talk about. So Matthew, Joanne, thank you so much for providing your point of view, providing your perspective. Um, It really like even just chatting with you has opened my eyes to, I never thought of it that way, which is the point of us having this conversation. And the point of having diverse lenses with on your team because you're always going to get a different perspective so thank you thank you for having thank me. you for having us i hope you enjoyed that episode as much as i did do let me know what you think of this format if you'd like to see more of these types of shows um, as we listen to and get different perspectives on what's happening in the world of inclusion and marketing if you like this show i would so appreciate it if you would share it with your friends your colleagues and your network. And also, if you could leave a rating and review for the show in your podcast player of choice, it really does go a long way towards helping more people discover the show. Another thing, are you getting the inclusion and marketing newsletter yet? If you're not, definitely, definitely, definitely get on the list. Go to inclusionandmarketing.com slash newsletter where you can get signed up. I'll also drop a link to it in the show notes below so you can get easy access. But each week I send stories, news, and other tips to help you make more of the people you serve feel like they belong with you, which is a win-win-win for all. They feel like they belong. You get more customers who are loyal to you over the long term. Again, I'll have a link to that in the show notes so you can access it. I'll also include links to the different campaigns that we chatted about today in the show notes. So go ahead and check those out. And until next time, remember... Everyone deserves to have a place where they belong. Let's use our individual and collective power to ensure more people feel like they do. Thanks so much for listening. Talk to you soon.